Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 12. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We were talking about worship in Romans chapter 12 in verse 1. Paul said, listen, present your body. Actually, it's on the screen. Would you mind reading it with me? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. If you were with us last Sunday, you know I told you that this reasonable service, give me your attention, look at me. This reasonable service actually speaks to worship. That presenting our bodies to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, is a logical, reasonable It just makes good sense, act of worship. I told you that that's what it means. And I told you that I wanted to come back to that last week, and I wanted to talk to you about our reasonable service, and I wanted to talk to you about worship. This word reasonable service literally speaks to, as I said, a life of worship according to God's word. And I told you last week that when you come back this week, and I am glad that you are here, We are going to talk about today worship. We're actually going to talk about worship from Genesis chapter 22. So if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll run one to you. If you have your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 22 and put your finger there. Because we're going to talk about worship. And before we talk about worship, I want to show you a video clip, and then we'll come back and have some more to say about what is worship, this whole topic of worship. I don't know. Does anybody know? I think God's word has a lot to say. Genesis chapter 22, God, we ask, come on, pray with me, Lord, that you would cause us to see worship differently today. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people agree and said, Amen. Amen. Listen, I was surprised, shocked, to find out, discover this week, that there are over, did you know, that there are over 450,000 churches in America. But it seems that, listen, very few Christians know what is true worship. It was Charles Stanley, I know you're familiar with Charles Stanley, he once said this, and he believed, and he said this, and I I agree. He said, most Christians in most churches have never worshipped God. We go to church, but we don't worship. We sing songs, but we don't worship. 
We listen to sermons, but we don't worship. I think that's very true. Listen, all of these are elements of worship, but they are not worship in and of themselves. All of these are elements of worship, but they are not necessarily worship. Now listen, over the last couple of weeks, if you have been with us, you know I have been teaching you in our sermon, our gathering times, I've been teaching you how to study the Bible. Because people have asked me often, Pastor Rodney, how do you study the scriptures? And so far, if you've been with us, you know that several weeks back, we talked about exegesis and eisegesis. Last week, if you were with us in Romans chapter 12, we took apart verses 1 and 2, and we looked at all of the verses, and then we put them all back together. Those are tools in which you need to use when you study the Bible. Well, let me give you another tool that you need to use when you're studying the Bible, When you come across a concept in the Bible or you come across a word in the Bible, if you want to define that word and you want to understand what that word means, if you're listening, say I'm listening. If you want to know what that word means, what you have to do is not get out your Bible dictionary first. The very first thing to do is you want to find the place in the Bible where that word is first mentioned. Bible scholars and theologians call this the law of first mention. And when you see a word identified in the Bible and it is first mentioned within its context, that's how you use that word to find, use that word throughout all of the scriptures. Do you understand that? So when we come across the word Worship, we want to know what true worship is. What we have to do is we have to go back to the very first place that the word worship is used in the Bible. And listen, I already had you turn there. Genesis chapter 22, we find the first mention of the word worship in the Bible. Now get your pen, get your pad. Somebody told me first service, they said, Pastor Rodney, that was a lot. From the teaching in first service, it is a lot. You need your pen, you need your pad, take some notes. What we have here this morning is, first of all, as I mentioned, we have the word worship first mentioned in Genesis chapter 22. We are going to find out what the Bible has to say about worship. You will also find in Genesis chapter 22 the first mention of the word love. Love is first mentioned in Genesis chapter 22. We'll learn what love really is and the origin of love. You will also find the word lamb first used in Genesis chapter 22. And you guessed it, we'll define what exactly is God talking about as it relates to the lamb. Here in Genesis chapter 22, now listen, give me your attention. What we have, we need to set this up right. What we have in Genesis 22 is the story of Abraham who offers his only son Isaac on Mount Moriah. Now get this. Stay with me. Are you with me? Stay with me. In Abraham's day, offerings were made at the peak of mountains. So if you geographically follow Mount Moriah, Abraham offers Isaac on Mount Moriah. If you geographically follow Mount Moriah to its highest peak, you will come to the place, to a point that is located in Jerusalem. 
And the highest point of the peak of Mount Moriah in Jerusalem is a small little mountain called Mount Calvary. Sound familiar? Golgotha. That is the place where Jesus Christ was crucified. Very interesting. So what we have here in Genesis 22, listen, God is giving us a sneak preview of coming attractions. Very, very interesting. Now here in Genesis 22, I need to turn there myself. I love this chapter. This is one of my favorites. Look at Genesis chapter 22. And if you're looking at verse 1, say amen. Amen. And it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. In Genesis chapter 21, from Genesis chapter 21, should I say, to Genesis chapter 22, there is a 20-year period. In Genesis chapter 21, you can read it in your own time, Abraham was in a tent by the well of Beersheba with Isaac. And Abraham built an altar and he worshiped God and he called that place, he called on the name of God at that altar. And Isaac is about 30 years old at this time and probably Isaac was the pride of the family. You know, I get the impression that Isaac was just kind of like a fun son. I mean, his name does mean laughter. We know what his name means and we know where he got it from, but he was probably the pride of the family. I mean, Isaac, get this, was like the promised seed. Ishmael was a son of the flesh. Isaac was a son of the spirit. So probably all eyes on Isaac most of the time. The whole family centered on this boy. Isaac was probably a daddy's boy. So in verse 1, the Bible tells us now, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham, listen, saints, in Genesis chapter 22, what we have for Abraham is the final exam, if you will. This is the big test for Abraham. God tested Abraham, but understand something. This is not Abraham's first test. He's had many tests prior to this. In Genesis chapter 12, actually, you'll find Abraham's first test. As God told Abraham to leave his country and his family to go to a land that God would show him. That was a huge test. And then God tested Abraham when there was a famine in the land. And Abraham went down to Egypt. You know the story. And when he got down to Egypt because he was afraid of the Egyptians. Because he thought they might kill him. Because he was with his wife, Sarah, who was fine. (laughs) And he said to her, he said, honey, listen, we'll get down to Egypt and you are really, really pretty and I'm not so good. So we'll, you tell him, we'll tell him that you're my sister. And Abraham obviously failed that test. Well, that's just two of about 13 tests that God used to test Abraham. And so God had a series of tests that Abraham went through many, many more tests as God was using these tests to prepare Abraham for the ultimate test. Here in Genesis 22 is the moment that Abraham has been preparing for for 50 years. 
So now here we have verse 1. Go ahead and look at it again. The Bible tells us that God tested Abraham. Now in the Hebrew language, listen, this word test is the Hebrew word nagal. And it literally means, saints, listen, to prove, to try, or to approve. To try, to prove, or approve. Listen, God wasn't testing Abraham because God is sadistic and likes to see people fail. You know that. That's the devil. Satan, listen, tempts you to allure you and to destroy you. You understand that? Say amen. That's the devil. God uses tests. Listen, when the Bible says that God tests you or God tested Abraham, God uses tests to bring to surface the things that he already knows are in your life. God uses tests for, to show you what you are made of. God uses a test in order to bring to surface something that you need to know. God doesn't use tests to bring to surface something that he needs to know because he's God and he knows everything. But he uses a test because he wants to prove or approve or try you so that you will know what is there. That you will know what kind of character or integrity you have. That you might be able to see that sin in your life and to repent of it and turn to God. Do you understand that? Satan, on the other hand, uses tests because he's trying to destroy you. And he's trying to put a roadblock up for you so you can fall, so that you can fail. It is very interesting. We find no mention that God ever tested Lot. Isn't that interesting? God never tested Lot. So God said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, look at this. And he said, here I am in verse 1. Notice verse 2 with me, if you will. Then he said, look at verse 2. If you're looking at it, say, I'm looking at it. Then he said, take now your son. And saints, get this. Please turn your brain on. Turn your brain on. Listen up. Take now your son, your what, saints? Only son, Isaac, whom you first mentioned, love. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And so Abraham, he rose up early in the morning. He saddled his donkey. He took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, man, for Abraham, Isaac had been dead in his heart for three days. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham in verse five said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder and first mention do what saints? worship and we will come back to you and so abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on his son and he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together notice not with the servants but isaac spoke to abraham his father and he said dad and he said i'm here son and he said look we got the fire 
we got the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, what? Read it with me, saints. My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Stop right there. God said, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son. Did you get that? Did you notice there's no recognition of Ishmael? Why? Because, listen, God never recognizes the flesh. Ishmael was a son of the flesh. God never recognizes the flesh. And between services, I was telling this one sister, we're talking about this very point. And I said, God doesn't recognize Ishmael because Ishmael is a son of the flesh. And God doesn't recognize the flesh. And even in that is the grace of God that God doesn't recognize the flesh. Somebody say amen. That's the grace of God, that he doesn't recognize the flesh. He doesn't even acknowledge Ishmael as a son. God said, Abraham, go to the land of Moriah and offer Isaac there as an offering. If you're taking notes, you can write this down or write it in your margin. The word, the name Moriah means foreseen of Yah, Y-A-H. Foreseen of Yah or Jehovah reveals or Yah is shown. Foreseen of Yah, Yah, God is shown. God says, Abraham, take your son and notice the Bible says in verse two, whom you love. Here we have again, saints, the first mention of the word love in the Bible. And what you need to do is we need to understand and see the connection that this word is used with. Notice the connection of the word love is used in connection with a father and a son. Not a father, a mother and her daughter, a husband and a wife, not even the love of God and people and creation. The first mention of the word love is used in the context of a father and a son. Now, of course, in an earthly sense, give me your attention. A father and a son's relationship. How many of you know this? A father and a son's relationship is very, very, very special. I mean, it just is. Anybody other than three people? Anybody? Okay, good, good. It it really is. It's a very, very special, very different relationship. Uh, We all know that. And that's why we have so many problems in our culture today, by the way. Because fathers are not being fathers. They're not being husbands. And and some are absent in the home. And when you remove a father figure from a home, you're going to have trouble. Because that's God's design. You know, mom, you can't be a dad. Now, I had a mom who kind of act like a dad. (laughs) My mom didn't play. Gertrude would tear you up <laughs> like a dad. Say amen, fellas. I'm from the old school. I told you, I'm from the old school. I tear you up. You know, don't spank the kids. I, I, I just need to say this right now. I just need to say it. This whole thing about don't spank the kids. <laughs> I want to say it so bad it won't even come out. I mean... <laughs> You might hurt their psyche. That's what they say. 
If you don't hurt that, you might hurt their psyche. I say hurt the psyche. <laughs> I tear that psyche up. <laughs> oh, I got your psyche all right. Moms can't be moms, you can't be a dad. Dads are important. The love of a father and the love of a son, a very special relationship. And I think the context here, saints, stay with me. I think the context of the love of the father and the love of the son and being mentioned first here, I think is because what we had before the foundation of the world, what we had in creation was God the father and God the son working in unity and harmony before there was ever anything created. What we had before the foundation of the world was the love of the father and the love of a son. And then we saw the love of the son come down to earth to be sacrificed for the sins of the world because he loved the world. So we have the first mention of the word love. God told Abraham, notice in our story, to offer his son. And Abraham, the Bible says, look at verse 3. Abraham did what? He rose up early. You know, when I read the Bible, I'm one of those kind of people... Why did he rise up early? There has to be a reason why he rose up early. Well, I think he rose up early because he probably couldn't stop thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow. And he probably, in a very practical way, rose up early because he wanted to get up before mom gets up. Because you know, mom, she get up. What y'all doing? Packing up like you're going camping and all that. And, and why are you taking my good knife out of his kitchen? <laughs> Abraham probably said, we need to circumvent that. At Isaac, let's get up. We got to go. See, y'all thought it was a real spiritual answer, didn't you? Just deep, man, just deep. And notice the Bible tells us he got his servants together. Are you getting this? He cut the wood for the burnt offering. He saddles his donkey and he took his son and he set out on a trip. And imagine with me, saints, in your mind's eye. Would you imagine with me? Matter of fact, close your eyes. Close your eyes. Abraham and Isaac and the servants are walking side by side to the place. And this is the moment of truth. Isaac is about 30 years old right now. He's a man. He's not a little boy. He's not a baby. And they're carrying the wood. Can you see that? They're carrying the fire up the mountain. They're carrying the knife. And it's probably a very awkward moment. As you could sense the silence and, and feel the tension as it mounts. And Isaac knew what was going on. But in a very silent way, they were in this thing together. It was at some point, at a certain point in the journey, that Abraham said to his servants, stay here. Open your eyes. Abraham said to the servants, stay here. Why? Because Isaac, listen, Isaac and Abraham are going to a place where no man has gone before. Isaac and Abraham are going to a place that no other man can come. And the servants had to stand back and look at them go. Listen, the Bible's very clear. 
When Jesus Christ went to Calvary's cross, you know who was there? Yeah, there were people there, but the only two people that I believe God saw there was God the Father and God the Son. Do you know that Jesus sacrificed on the cross? He had to do that alone. We couldn't go there. And the reason we couldn't go there because the Bible says that all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the sight of God. Somebody say amen. amen. And so they're going alone. And they watch them walk in the distance. So Abraham says, stay here. And we, verse 5, look at it, will go and worship and we will come back. Do you see it? As Abraham knew, notice he says, we're going to go worship and we're going to come back. Notice he didn't say, we're going to go have a praise and worship session and we're going to come back. He didn't say that we're going to go and get the praise team together and sing some songs and worship and come back. He says that we're going to go worship. And what Abraham meant in the context, the law of first mention, in the context of worship, worship means Surrender. Worship means sacrifice. Worship means atonement. Worship means the blood. We got to get this because we think worship is worship. And we think worship is, man, when the praise team is really playing. And, you know, I, I thought the praise team did great today. I was blessed. I mean, I was really, not that y'all always do great. Y'all do great all the time. But somebody help me say amen. I'm like, <laughs> There you go. You know, I'm just, but they do great all the time. And everybody was hitting the right thing and it was beautiful. But can I tell you something? That's not worship per se in and of itself. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.